All righty. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome in and welcome back to the Frogs of War podcast. It's been a little bit of a hiatus since we've had an episode. We've also had a lot change over at the website, as you can probably tell by just hearing this voice, seeing the face if you're watching the YouTube. We are new. We are new hosts. We are new editors, managing editors here at the site. Uh, you may recognize Anthony and myself from some of our previous articles, even a Ryan's Ramble podcast last year. But alas, we are back with the Frogs of War podcast. We're going to do our best to keep TCU content rolling probably once a week, definitely through baseball season. We're going to be cranking these out uh, during the postseason run. But yeah, excited to be here, excited to talk about the Frogs. So again, if you don't know, we are the managing editors now, Anthony North, Ryan Bennell, ourselves. We're going to be your host on this new era of the Frogs of War podcast. So be sure to keep up with us on Twitter as well. I'm sure if you guys are readers and listeners, you, you already know the Twitter, but it's at Frogs of War. And you can check out our personal accounts as well. I am over at Ryan Bennell 8 and Anthony is at North underscore Anthony. So a decent amount to talk to or talk about today. We got TCU baseball rolling. The non-rev has been killing it in this spring. We also have a little bit of fun uh, to end the episode with the survey results that were posted on the site not too long ago. We'll be going through those and giving our takes. But first up, how about that Santa Clara sweep this weekend, Anthony? Oh, fantastic. Yeah, it was great to be back in back in Lupton, back bats heavy. Um a lot of a lot of guys getting on it on on the base pass, um, really just putting together um, two back to back sweep series wins is is huge going into this postseason and and really excited uh, what everyone is going to see this week in Arlington for for the Big Twelve tournament. Um, obviously, winning those games is big, but I think uh, a lot of what we saw around the country and around the conference is really where some of our eyes were. It was it was good to see that the team kept their focus and was able to sure. uh, really continue to, to play really well. But um, how things shook out around the conference, and, and we can dig into it, but for the Frogs to get that number one seed, get that trophy, standalone, sole ownership of that trophy for the Big 12, um, really exciting. Uh, huge for Kirk Sarlus, and uh, in his first season here, head coach um, taking over uh, from Jim Schlossnagel, and really just big for the program to see that this success can be sustained um, that it's it's not a one man show. That that things are going to continue to roll through the future, um, and here in the present is is huge. So really exciting things happening here for TCU baseball. Yeah, I, I think you hit the nail on the head there. Yeah, exactly. Especially after kind of there at the beginning of the season. I don't want to say there was like woes, but there were definitely some losses where you're like, we really shouldn't be losing that guys, and a little bit of question marks. But then, like you said, everything kind of just fell into place at the end of the season, and it's not like. TCU was gifted anything. We beat Tech. We beat Oklahoma State. We won those series. Those were huge series. But yeah, it was kind of weird because this weekend, although it's nice to finish, you know, the season on a home sweep in front of a home crowd at Lupton, Santa Clara, they're non-conference. They're not ranked. So you're right. It seemed like most of our eyes, even if we were to drop a game against the Broncos, which thankfully we didn't, nobody necessarily cared. Everybody was just watching the Tech, watching the OU score. So and for those that don't know, the situation basically was while we were playing Santa Clara, TCU, in order to take sole claim, just numero uno, the only numero uno of the Big 12 title, they needed Oklahoma to win exactly two out of the three games against Texas Tech. 
Otherwise, if Tech had won two, they would take a share of the title. And if Oklahoma had won all three, they would take a share of the title as well. So super, super close. It was almost like, you know, no flashbacks to 2014 football. I put that in my article because we don't want no co-champions anymore. Like we're clear, we're steered clear of it. And what's crazy is first place to sixth place in the Big 12 was decided by two games. Two games. It's nuts. Yeah, it's it's a really deep conference, no question about it. And and for some of these teams that were going into the season number one, number two overall in the country, Texas, you know, Oklahoma State really ended up in the last couple of days not part of the conversation to to win the conference, even though obviously they've had very strong seasons and, and will continue into the offseason. So yeah, super strong conference and and just incredibly impressive to uh, to come out on top. The other one that uh, we we had to keep eyes on, but um, that team down in Waco came through for us um, on Thursday night uh, with a walk off thriller where they the Baylor was playing Oklahoma State. So Oklahoma State still had an opportunity to also tie uh, with TCU for a share. Um, in that situation, the Frogs would have still been the number one overall seed in the in uh, the conference tournament, but it would have had to be a shared title. And yeah, that Baylor got down big and had to claw back and and extra innings, walk off, uh, home run. Really, <laughs> you know, I, I hate to have to sit and watch a Baylor game and and <laughs> celebrate them rounding the bases, but but uh, that we we were we were all on the same team, and I guess it was that case rooting for Oklahoma once rooting for tech once. And so that it was, a it was a really fun end of the season and it was nice to kind of just be able to sit back and watch that play out. And, and it worked out as, as perfectly as it could have in the best case scenario for TCU. Yeah, that was really nice. Just kind of not having to worry about it for that last series. Just, well, I mean, we were worried about it, but there's nothing we could do about it. Right. So also love the, uh, those guys down in Waco, you know, just those guys, uh, <laughs> But no, there was also even a couple other external factors too. Like, of course, you know, Oklahoma did their damn thing, clutched up for us, hallelujah. But before that, like a couple weeks back, Texas Tech swept Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State swept Texas last month, like which ended up being really big in terms of the Big Twelve race. So I could not have, th- I could not think of a more Big Twelve way to end the regular season. Like it's just chaos. And yes, we we didn't have to go back and talk about head to head this or strength of this or that. It's just the record ended up and we were done. It's took the number one and that's that's the end of it. So uh, yeah, I've had, really I've had a couple a couple buddies even be like, well, how come you know how come we won the conference if uh, Texas is ranked higher, Oklahoma State's ranked higher? I'm like, sorry, not how it works, buddy. <laughs> you know, we won the games. Okay, that's we won where it counted. We'll take that trophy, yes, sir. You you have to sweep Kansas. You have to you have to beat Kansas State. So you know everybody else has to do. You know you got to win the games that you're supposed to win, and and the frogs for the most part did that. I think, uh, you know, I, there was certainly some concern coming out of West Virginia series, Oklahoma series, series that probably TCU felt like could have won and should have won, and and to still with a sweep of tech and with a series win at Stillwater, um, still get that record to the top is, is big. Yeah, no, exactly. TCU definitely won the games when they needed to. And just kind of going back to this weekend, even though of course it wasn't the end all be all, like we said, it was 
beautiful though to see the frogs bats swinging like they were it's exactly what you want to see to end the year they're getting hot at the right time seven straight wins now on a little win streak heading into the conference tournament riley cornelio marcelo perez were absolutely dealing over the weekend porter brown is just putting up ridiculous porter brown in may numbers like he did last year and tommy sacco too with two home runs on senior day overall it was just absolute dominant weekend from the frogs so very nice to see now that we're going in as the one seed taking on eight seed baylor it starts on wednesday so if you're sarlus who do you give the call for game one in the tournament on the mound oh if if he's healthy and right it's got to be cornelio um even though he he pitched most recently um you know and and maybe you're thinking to save him uh for for a game later on um but you got to win the games in front of you so Mm -hmm. i think i think if you go ahead and and throw cornelio out there let him you know chew up through some innings as as he can and uh and turn it over to the other guys for for the for the balance and maybe bring him back sunday if uh if you need to um, if, if the frogs make it that far. So I think, I think that's the way you'd like to see it go. Um, but you know, if, if coming off a long start and maybe, maybe you're saving him, yeah, throw, you know, there's this TCU, um, pitching staff probably doesn't have some of the names and some of the arms that we may have gotten used to with Brandon Finnegan's or, you know, all that, that kind of Preston Morrison type Brian, where Brian this Howard. is an ace in ace, yeah. ace, ace. Um, but it's, it's really deep. I, I think, um, you know, you can, you can go three, four, five, where you're, there's not a huge drop off. Um, so, so I think, I think the frogs can feel pretty comfortable whomever they throw out there um, and, and know that, whatever happens in that game, the next day you'll have somebody ready to go um, who can who can pick up the next game. So I don't know who it's going to be. I think it, it would be great if it's Cornelio to go really just have a have a dominant day uh, against Baylor. Um, but whoever it's whoever it is, it'll be it'll be a stud that'll take it to the Bears. Yeah, I, I mean, there really is no going wrong because I, I totally agree. That's a good way of putting it, too. That there really isn't necessarily that like clear cut ace ace you know but in some ways i kind of prefer the roster that we have in the style of like you know if it's cornelio on the mound hell yeah if it's perez on the mound hell yeah like we got they go down the list and it's okay like it's not like a sweat type thing where it's like oh we're not gonna have finnegan for this game you know like back in the day where it was kind of a little nerve-wracking without him because you just know you could rely on him so much but I think I would also go Cornelio. Uh, He's right now, like I would say Cornelio is our ace at the moment. Um, But I could also see a case for Perez just to keep Cornelio for that second round game because second round we're going to be facing, you know, if all things go well, don't want to jinx anything, but uh, then we'll be facing the winner of Texas and West Virginia, which is not an easy game. Huge game. Yeah. So and you know the thing also about that is I guarantee Texas and West Virginia are going to be putting up their ace too. So if maybe we save Cornelio for game two, that might be a little bit of an edge. But I don't want to get you know too far ahead of ourselves. We got to win game one first. But right, and and Baylor is no slouch either. I mean they we obviously they took down one from Oklahoma State uh, this past weekend, and they're 
it's not going to be a rollover type game. Um, the frogs are going to have to come out and, and yeah. take that game. And yeah, maybe it's, maybe you throw someone like, like Cam Brown or even, I don't know, Cameron Parker or so, or Austin Krobe to just get a few innings out of the way. So just get, get three, if you can get through three or four and let some of the, the long relievers take a couple innings out and, and save all of those um, kind of weekend starters uh, for the rest of the tournament, that that might be a way to to handle it as well. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. Um, there, there again, like there really is no going wrong right now. I think with the pitching staff in this situation, um, but man, that is just a tough path though. Because you're right, Baylor's no slouch. Like I was looking through when I was writing the recap article about the Big Twelve Championship, which also you know go check that out on Frogs War. Uh, but uh, I was writing it and I was ranking the teams, you know, listing them out and showing their record. And I was like, man, like Baylor was, I think what was it? Seven and 17 in the conference. And I was like, it feels like they were not seven and 17. Like it feels like they came up with some random big wins here and there. So they're definitely capable, just definitely not as consistent as the rest of the bunch. It seems like so. And always, regardless of football, basketball, baseball, got it. We're, we're playing Baylor. <laughs> like Take them know, down. No yeah, mercy. Down. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care where they rank in the conference right now. Just if we have to pull a Kansas on them and yeah. beat them to 30 to three, by all means, let's do it. Oh, beautiful thing. Yeah, it's a beautiful <laughs> But overall, what would you say uh, your predictions for the Big 12 tournament is? Oh, man. Predictions for the tournament. I think, I think TCU ends up taking the loss in that second game. I think mm-hmm. that's, that is going to be the toughest game of the tournament. Um, and that's where the winner of that game has an excellent path to the title. So that, mm-hmm. that is, that is a huge game. Um, the, the loser of that game I, can still get there, but then you have to get past that team twice. Um, so that's where if the frogs get that game, book it, we're playing Sunday. Yeah, um, if, if not, then it's it's a huge hill to climb, and and I think they they drop one of the ones on the way there, um, and and we'll touch on it here in a second. But that's where I think if if TCU wins that second wins the first game, obviously wins the second game, I think it's probably closed that they will be a host. The Frogs will host a regional at that point. I think if you lose that second game and then lose your double elimination, it's going to be really tight. Um, so from the other side of the bracket, you know, we've seen now Oklahoma state and tech play a bunch and Oklahoma, and it's just, it's a bloodbath. It's going to be such a battle. <laughs> yeah, um, it is. How, how that ends up, who, who comes out to, to play the other side. So, there's no telling. There's no telling. I think if I were if I were to throw my guess behind it, if I had to give a prediction, it, I would say it. We see Tech and the Longhorns in the final. Um, I hate I think it. That's fair. But I, that's, I know I hate it too. But I think that's a fair prediction because I, I also was going to say you know it's it's hard to predict a loss, but I think it's very reasonable to drop that second game, especially because, you know, 
these teams are going to be going a little bit harder for it more so even because we already have the regular season title now. So, and not that that's a reason to like cool off the jets a little, but it's just situation wise, it's going to be tough, but I agree with what you said as well. If we do get past Texas or West Virginia, probably Texas or no, it's actually Oklahoma state, not West Virginia. Oh, it's, Oh yeah. Well, I flipped them. Yeah. It's Texas, Oklahoma state. Then yeah. So I think the point still stands. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. That still that game is that that's even more so even yeah, even exactly. even crazier that game. I mean, it's uh, you're talking about your your second round matchup being the team that won the conference against a top five team. Yeah. You know, yeah, exactly. like that's yeah, it's it's a tough road, but that's that's it's a tough conference. Yeah, that's the Big 12 for you, for sure. But no, I also agree, too, that that's where kind of the nerves come in, in the sense of, yeah, we already have the regular season titles, so like I won't be super distraught if we don't win the tournament. But, man, getting those two wins, hosting a regional would be very, very nice, especially just, again, Kirk Starlew's first year to host a regional, win the conference. It would just be amazing just to add to the resume. Yeah, and to to do the double, to, to back-to-back – the conference tournament and the regular season, uh, you know, even with a, a, a regime change, it would be a, a, a huge testament to the program that that TCU has for sure. Oh, yeah, 100%. I think, I mean, I don't know, because I can't really claim that I'm like a major NCAA baseball guru. I know TCU baseball, that's really it. But I was going to say, like, I feel like if we do that, that just solidifies us as one of, like, without a doubt, blue bloods of college baseball. Like we we are now in that upper echelon of programs, right? You know, it's it's not the the forever long history. Let's go back to mm-hmm. like 1960 and talk about whatever. But it's <laughs> it is, you know, the, TCU made a run and has been at the blue blood level for basically a decade. A, a decade, now. yeah, for for. 15 years, 12 years at least. Yeah, and that's been built and I don't, I don't think I think TCU has, has definitely built that cachet where even with I, I know there's a lot of talk about like rankings and RPI computer rankings and stuff like that where the frogs are out of the top 30 right now and obviously playing in the in the conference tournament will change that a lot um, big opportunities against top teams um, could, could move that substantially but even with that TCU won the Big 12 and has a long history. It's, you know, it's the kind of thing of, that, like, we hate to point to in something like basketball of, like, oh, well, we don't have the history. It shouldn't matter. It, you know, put us in the tournament anyway. <laughs> um, but for TCU and, you know, the facilities at Lupton and certainly NCAA baseball is very comfortable sending their tournament to Lupton, to Fort Worth. It's it's a healthy host that um, everyone's comfortable and and puts on puts on the full show for the tournament. So I I still think TCU needs to win two games to guarantee a host. I, I don't think we're there yet. Um, I think it's still high likelihood, but lose to Baylor and you're in real trouble. Oh yeah, definitely. I think if we lose to Baylor, I would say it's almost out of question. Well, not not fully out of question, but I would lean towards no if we lose the first game, first round game. But 
Furthermore, do you think the Frogs could do enough to jump up into a top eight seed? Oh, yeah. I mean, you look at the teams that would be on the slate to make a run in this tournament. If if TCU takes the trophy on Sunday, uh, it, it'd be hard to keep them out of that, yeah, I, I, I think. You know, the, the wins that they would have to pick up on a on a neutral field and in the highest leverage um, and understanding that some of the teams around the frogs in the, in the standings may take some steps back in their respective conference tournaments. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that the entirety of the top eight will not be sec teams. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't think so. I would hope not. <laughs> uh, so, so somebody has to take those other spots. Um, and, and obviously there, there will be some looks out West and looks to the ACC, but at that point, TC will have as strong a case. And again, all the, all the things we just talked about would, would stand up and then be in even higher plane. So it's definitely possible, but I think it has to come with the trophy. It without that, it's, it's probably not happening. Yeah, I, I agree. Totally. Um, it is kind of weird. Just that idea of now that, like you said, TC kind of does not like, earn stuff but they're respected enough to be placed in it or in the conversation just because now they have that history they've been there done that a little bit and it's a little bit ironic because i'm kind of like oh just stick us in the top eight like we're tc baseball man come on and then go to football and basketball and i'm looking right. at other schools like screw them man like they didn't even do anything this year but, but the thing is we did do something and if we win the conference tournament as well as a regular season i don't care how good oklahoma state and texas they're out of conference record out how strong it was doesn't matter we we beat them in two different places it's like you can't you can't put them above us in that you know that matter no doubt no doubt and and you know we're we're kind of jumping ahead just to think of like all right what if what yeah, if but yeah. you know I, I, you know? I know, I know. I don't, I don't want to, you know, I'm, I'm worried about jinxing and all of that. I'm, I'm really nervous about that kind of thing, but no, I, uh, I agree with you totally. I mean, we, we, we would hold that over and certainly, uh, nobody at that point, nobody in the big 12 should have a seed higher yes. than the frogs. Yes. Um, maybe yeah. that means you're still not in the top eight, but we'll I debate mean- that point next week. Yeah, I was about to say, yeah, that'll be a, a conversation for future discussion. But, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think I, we're not fully jinxing it. It's not like we're saying, oh, we're going to win the tournament. Like, it's we, what we even said we might lose. Yeah, so it's a what if. You know, we might – we're just talking about all the options here. Because I also, you know, I'm a little superstitious in that sense. I don't want to be the one to say it because, as I've learned from uh, a couple of Frogs oh, yeah. of War don't, Twitter incidents, don't count, don't count the outs, guys. Don't count, don't count outs. <laughs> I, I messed up one time. Oh, yeah. The, the language around baseball is very precious and, and we're <laughs> learning that. And that's 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 great. That's part of the great thing about baseball um, and, and the fun that we have with with those that follow us for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, we ended up winning the game, but I just we were up by like one and I was like one more until a horned frog <laughs> win or something. And they were like, what are you doing? I'm just like, oh, I immediately knew when people were like were commenting. I'm like, yeah, oh my God, I just did like, oh, my God. It is what it is, though. You know, you live and you learn. Uh, all right. Is there any other uh, TCU baseball topics? For yeah. The, the one thing I, I was just uh, earlier today, just kind of checking through some of where the frogs stood in some of the, the categories of just like 
how, how do we stand up statistically? I think, I think we feel pretty good about the lineup top to bottom. I mean, we talked earlier about uh, Preston Brown, um, Porter, Porter, Brown, Porter Brown, sorry, sorry. No, you're good. Uh, as like, he's killing it right now and he's hitting in the nine hole. Right. So we, we feel really confident about the lineup top to bottom, but are, are they really, is that, is that just our kind of purple glasses? And so I, I was checking out, so thinking of like, um, looking now on the big 12 conference, uh, on base percentage, three of the top 10 are TCU players. Okay, that's pretty solid. Uh, Taylor, Nunez, and Sacco. I was about to say, Nunez has to be up there, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, no one's touching, like, uh, Melendez and some of the guys that are really just crushing bombs. Um, so, you know, some of your slugging percentage and stuff like that. But but just your pure ability to get on base, the top of the TCU order is, is the best in the league. And... And it really it sets the table um, for for big innings and and to get things going. And obviously, um, I was also looking at Nunez has only gotten caught stealing once on That's thirty was, attempts. I was just about to say, like, it's, it's not only they get on base. Like Nunez, especially out of anybody, will just bully <clears throat> people in base running and stealing and everything. Like and, he just tortures the pitchers. <laughs> Yes, yeah, Sacco with 17 steals is seventh in the country or in the uh, in the conference. But yeah, Still Nunez solid. is second at second, but only caught stealing one time. That's that is nuts. He's a beast. Yeah, that's hey, that's one of the uh, the survey questions we'll get to in a while. It was uh, like who's the fastest? Nunez stealing second was one of the choices because my God, he's just just he's there in a flash. I always think it's so funny too. And like the opposing pitcher will do like a check down like three times, throw it to first base. And the, he's basically just trying to get Nunez to stop. And then Nunez goes yeah, anyway he goes and, he, yeah. and he gets it. Yeah. So they, they just can't do anything about it. It's, it's over for them, but I know I think statistically ugh, word vomit statistically as well. Uh, if you know, if you're at the top of the big 12, chances are you're probably in the top echelon of the country as well, because it's hard to say who's the best baseball conference. I wouldn't necessarily say Big 12 is number one, but it's still pretty good. So I got to give credit where it's due. But already, though, I think that is all we got on baseball for this week. Uh, we'll definitely keep updating throughout the Big 12 tournament as we go. Uh, Anthony and I are going to be going to the games in uh, at Ranger Stadium, so we'll be covering those. Keep up on the Twitter. And, of course, we'll be having articles for recaps and everything like that. But Next week we'll uh, we'll see how things go. You know, we may have a completely new discussion after the Big Twelve tournament. Who knows how it'll go down? But all right, other than baseball finishing the year off strongly, the spring non-revenue sports. I can't even name just one because all of them have been doing absolutely amazing this year. Uh, tennis just finished their season up with one of the tied the best record of programs since 1984 with 26 match wins. And they just fell in the elite eight to eight seed Kentucky, four to three. It was a very, I don't want to say disappointing because it's just one of those things we have to look back and like, man, like we accomplished so much type thing. But also it would have been really cool to lift both the indoor national championship and the you know outdoor national championship. But also beach volleyball, golf, track and field just finished up their Big Twelve stuff. But let's uh, let's focus on tennis just for a little bit too because. I'm not, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I'm not a tennis guru, okay? I, I'm not going to be able to give you any analytical 
like mastermind visions, but I saw what I saw and the team played really well together. They really bought into what Roditi's doing. He is a fantastic coach. I mean, I was just looking at some of his accolades, man, five big 12 titles in six years now, excluding the COVID year. Cause that was a gap. The tournament, seven of the last 11 years he's coached here, a final four appearance and now two elite eight appearance. Like, I mean, what more can you ask for? Like, that's just amazing. Well, yeah, and and an indoor national championship this oh, season, yeah. right? Yeah, I can't I mean, forget that. You know, you could say, well, you could ask for raising the trophy. Well, they've done that this season. So, yeah, uh, incredible job done to to build this program and continue to build this program. And, um, yeah, that the the tournament performance um, once they moved on to the portion of the tor- tournament that was not hosted um by by local hosts um so uh, the the first couple rounds were as the top seed in the tournament tcu was the number one overall seed and so and and just really ran through their first Mm -hmm. few rounds um to get to that elite eight uh playing on the purple courts here in fort worth so um excellent job getting to that point and really a heartbreaker um, in the elite eight match with Kentucky uh, took the doubles point. So I guess maybe for those listening who don't really know or haven't paid attention to how the, the tennis works at the college level. So um, in, in each match, there's, I guess, do you call it a match again? I don't, I, match, I don't yeah. yeah. So I, I guess in the match, there are, it starts with a round of doubles where there are three doubles, matches pairings any case there's there's three doubles contests and uh they play a set and win two of the three sets and um and you win that's one point and then you have uh your your six singles um go head to head and it's so that's comes to a best of seven um in this in this match in the elite eight TCU took the doubles point. TCU was uh, took the next two on singles, and then Kentucky started to to kind of creep back, and it came down to a a final point with Juan Carlos Aguilar, um, and it was it, it went into the final set, final point, and he was serving and had a serve broken. And that was it. the The whole the season ends like that, and you know he's he's a star. He's he's a superstar. Yeah, he's he's, he's excellent. Um, one of the top in the country, and you know he'll have his opportunity with singles uh, coming up later in the in the calendar. Yeah, he's still but, in Champaign, Illinois, right now. He's still playing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, more to come for him certainly. But that, that was it was a really unfortunate, just like. Um, kind of heartbreaker for the for the team to drop and Kentucky did end up winning their final four game and lost in the finals to Virginia a team that TCU beat twice this season I was just about to say god damn it that's frustrating so it's just like we it is right there it's right on on the cusp of of that that championship and um but you know that's that's the way it goes and and you know we know I think there's obviously plenty of faith in Roditi to bring this thing back to um, next season. They'll be ready to roll it, roll it again. And, and hopefully an even deeper run. 
Yeah, because especially a lot of the guys that dominated this year are pretty young too. Isn't Juan Carlos Aguilar a uh, freshman or sophomore? Yeah, I think so. So yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, he's he's bringing folks in every year, transfers in and, you know. They, international players. Uh, it's it's Mostly. almost entirely international say, players. Yeah, 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 like yeah. All international players, yeah. yeah. Which, I mean, for tennis, that seems to be the way to recruit. Uh, it's working. Know? Yeah, it's working for him, but. Yeah, like we said, uh, Juan Carlos Aguilar is one that is still in Champaign, Illinois, uh, to compete in singles. Also, Luke Famba is there, and Jake Fernley. Those three are going to be staying. So Luke Famba and Juan Carlos Aguilar are competing in singles, and then Famba and Jake Fernley are going to be playing together as the number one seeded pair in the doubles event. So they are that those matches begin Monday. Well, I guess by the time this episode comes out today, because we're releasing the audio on Monday, uh, so it begins Monday, May 23rd. The draw for who they'll face has not been announced yet. But again, yeah, bummer, bummer way to end the season. But, you know, hey, hey there might be a, an individual accomplishment in the future for the Frogs. Might see something come the next few days with that. But, yeah, I mean, it's just sad. But like you said, they are right there to have a push next year. I don't see any drop off coming for this program. If anything, they're just going to get better. Uh, but, man, that is I didn't realize Virginia won it. That's a bummer because we literally beat them twice. Yeah. But like I said, finished the year with 26 match victories, most since 1984. Held the number one ranking for the majority of the outdoor season. Won the indoor national championships, like we said. You know, I think my take is we just had to let the other guys have a chance. You know, we were just – we were number one all season. We were like, all right, I guess, Kentucky, you can have your turn. Like, it's fine. But – Overall, hell of a season. Super fun to watch. Uh, not often that I say I'm excited for like you know college tennis, but man, it is fun watching the Horn Frog college tennis. Like they they are fun. those games too are fun. Like it's really it's really exciting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've, I've been I've been to several this season, and yeah, it, it's the crowd gets wild. And, yeah. You know, sometimes the like the umpires have to call over. Like everyone, calm down, calm <laughs> down. The people, it's it it's a it's a good time, and yeah, it's it's a great team to follow obviously um and and it's a beautiful facility out there go oh, yeah. uh, for the most part it's free um i think that in the tournament it was like five bucks to go but generally you go it's free it's a, a beautiful fort worth day go check it out you know it's um it's one of those yeah we we call it a non-rev program because it's not it's not one of the you know you don't buy season tickets to go to go see them play but they're they're top notch and and it's a great experience yeah, that is somewhat of an irony in all of this is like the TCU non-rev sports. It's like I hate saying non-rev almost because it's like, I don't know. You it don't feels wanna, dismissive. But yeah, it, you don't want to diminish. It's clearly not. Right. Yeah. Like, you know, tennis and beach volleyball aren't going to be bringing in millions of dollars like football will for the athletic program. That, that's just the fact of the matter. It's just kind of, I don't know, just the way they've been grouped is like non-rev sports. But speaking of volleyball now, beach volleyball as well. Had another excellent season, ending in the Elite Eight as well. Kind of, man, soccer last year in the Elite Eight, and then tennis this year, beach volleyball this year. It seems like the Elite Eight is just, frogs are getting stumped there. But all in all, just a hell of a year. They were top five most of the season, beat the number one team on two separate occasions, lost two games all season. So it was, again, just kind of, you can't discount it. You have to just be like, wow, they accomplished so much. But again, it is it is kind of a bummer that the season ended the way it did and they didn't get to hoist the trophy. 
Yeah, the the two losses, it sounds like, oh well, what were there like 14 games? No, it's like 36 games. Or <laughs> yeah. So they're like they they it's a very long season and they they play a lot. Each week it's like they play three matches usually, so at least. So they they amassed a, a lot of wins and they were really excellent all season. Um yeah, remaining at the top uh for most of the season, um with with big victories all over the country. Um, you know, yeah. And, and they were the number two seed going into the tournament had very high expectations, um, made it through, through their first match, um, into the elite eight, into the double elimination portion of the tournament. And, and again, just kind of a heartbreaker. They ran into a Georgia state team that, um, kind of, uh, upset minded. They, were the lower seed in their first match were the lower seed obviously against TCU and uh, just had no quit. There were lots of opportunities, I think for TCU to really bury uh, the Panthers there. And, and it just kind of didn't happen. There were a couple of controversial calls, a couple of controversial, did someone touch a net or not situations, but nonetheless, they, they took that match and then, um, the frogs followed that up with with the loss against LSU as well who they they play in the same conference together and so they, there's a lot of familiarity there uh throughout the season with with they, LSU and they beat LSU the regular season right several times oh, yeah, yeah, that's what I said. yeah yeah and and LSU the thing is they were also a very strong team yeah. and but those those games came down to the the final the final match and um you know, it, it's not like TC was getting run off the sand by by either of them. Certainly, um, had the opportunity right there, and it's it's just unfortunate again that yeah hit hit that elite eight kind of glass ceiling right here. And and uh, but just like with tennis, absolutely have every opportunity to to take this forward um, into next season and and even build on it further. So a lot of young talent, really, I I mean, national level, um, all Americans that are freshmen, uh, Moreno and Alvarez uh, are all American pair and they were conference pair of the year. And, you know, they're, they're one of the top pairs in the country and they'll, they're just freshmen. So there's, there's a lot of growth left for this team. Um, and, and really the, the primary, uh, spots on the team are, are freshmen and sophomores. There's only losing two or three seniors. So, uh, certainly huge opportunity to, to keep this new program on, on campus. So, you know, very young in the, in the scheme of building a program to uh, have already built it to this point that, um, you know, you're, you're able to really be on the national scale like this. Um, super impressive. And again, just like we were saying with tennis, absolutely encourage folks to go out to, to watch these matches. It's very, again, very exciting. There's a lot going on at once in the, in the same way as tennis, where there's, there's multiple courts. So you can kind of, uh, there's never a dull moment. It's, it, it never stops you. You can, you can just keep watching and, uh, you know, it's, it's right there by the rec in the, the sand volleyball facility there. It's, it's, it's well set up for, uh, for fans to be there as well. So, uh, next season, 
again, if it's a nice day in Fort Worth, come check it out. It's it's absolutely worth your time. And again, it's just free. Just walk up. They've, you know, they've got an MC out there kind of announcing things. He's kind of cheering things on, chanting it on. It's it's a really good time. Yeah, they got the tent set up. It is a very beautiful facility. Yeah, I've had like friends visit from out of state and they're like, you know, I wouldn't think like, what is in Texas? Why do they have beach volleyball? It's like, cause we're good, bro. That's why we have it. Like there's no other answer. Yeah. Right? Like it is a really pretty facility all in all. And just going back to is how dominant the year was. I got the schedule pulled up. Let's just read through a couple of their wins. You got number 12 FAU, number 18, South Carolina, number 16, Stetson. They beat Georgia state in the regular season. Number three, Florida State win. Number nine, Hawaii. Number 10, California. Number six, LSU. Number one, UCLA, twice. Pepperdine, number 16, LSU again. Like, I mean, literally double-digit top 20 wins. Like, just dominant. They played almost every top team in the country and beat almost every top team in the country. So, yeah, Very they impressive. they actually talked about that how the the scheduling was built in such a way knowing that uh this season was actually the first in beach volleyball where the first round was a single elimination. Um so uh they they built the schedule TCU built the schedule in a way to m- ensure that if they were good they were getting a top seed mm-hmm. with a a real good opportunity to reach that elite 8 point of double elimination where you know, you really increase your chances to to make the national championship. It obviously didn't work out in the end for for TCU, but certainly it worked out to get them that top seed, get them to the elite eight, and and have that opportunity to be put in a position for for a championship. Yeah, no, very very well said. Yeah, I I think it's going to be fun to watch next year as well. They're like just like tennis; they're kind of right in that same boat. Uh, you, they're just going to build on it could be a national title. I mean, honestly will be a national title contender next year. It's just whether or not they'll make that push. So it'll be fun to watch for sure. But all righty. And then we got a little bit of golf action going on college golf, but uh, they, the team just got done competing in the NCAA regionals. We got one of the uh, new contributors to Frogs of War, Corey Coons. If you guys haven't seen his articles, go check them out. He, uh, I think it'll be up probably right after, if not around the same time that this episode goes up. Uh, he's got a golf recap on everything going on there. And also, we're going to have a lot more of an update because right now it's kind of truly in the middle of everything. So we'll have a bit more of an update on the golf team on next week's episode. But in terms of TCU golf in general, Tom Hoge, everybody's favorite PGA player right now, made the cut at the PGA Championship. And that is one of the last six tournaments now he's made the cut. So he is playing really good golf right now and even did so with the Masters too. Yeah, two two majors making the cut. I mean, he, he got a top 10 finish at, at the PGA Championship. I mean, that's incredibly impressive. And he's he's absolutely on the ascent. I think, you know, he's he's built his way into this spot where he's he's in all of these events and he's competing with and, and right – in line with all the top golfers in the world. And, um, you know, if, if he keeps this climb can, can definitely see him, you know, in, in position at the, the end of some of these majors coming up that, that maybe he, maybe he's taken home some of the, the green jacket next year. You know, I mean, this, this is incredibly impressive stuff from, uh, from the TCU guy. Yeah, I know for sure. It's, always hard to predict because golf is just so back and forth up and down, but he is on his game right now. 
it is how cool would it be to be able to say, "Hey, I beat Tiger Woods," you know, because right. he's done he's done it right. like the last right. five tournaments. Like, yeah. that's that's sweet. So he's playing really good golf, and yeah, he at one point in the the championship uh, this weekend, I think he was in second place on day two at one point. But I mean, it's not that he had any bad rounds; he really didn't. He played a great tournament. It was just that Justin Thomas today decided to just go off and shoot like minus eight or eight under, like ridiculous, but. Anyway, we'll have more of a golf update on the TCU teams, men's and women's, uh, next week on that episode. But also, last but not least on our, our non-rev discussion is track and field. They just, uh, both men and women's team, just competed in the Big 12 Championship meet not too long ago. Uh, overall, they took home three gold medals and three bronze medals, so six each. Um, and after the whole Big 12 meet, they now are the number 25 ranked team in the country, so... That's pretty sweet. Uh, I, I will say, though, I'm not 100% sure in terms of track rankings. Do you know if it's only top 25 or is it more like beach volleyball? Because beach volleyball is like down to 50. Right. I couldn't tell you, to be honest. My my track and field knowledge is <laughs> is further off than my tennis and beach volleyball knowledge. I can <laughs> tell you that, you know, I, I follow what the frogs are up to, but uh, I, I don't I, I can't say that I keep a national view on it. Yeah, the same here. So. In terms of the TCU team, uh, they the relay teams were really the big highlight of the tournament. The 4 by 100 men's squad of Bryson Stubblefield, I hope I get all these names right, Tino Tenda, Marayinga, uh, Kundai Maguranyanga, and Robert Gregory Jr. Well, that was an interesting switch up at the end. <laughs> they placed first, taking gold in the 4 by 100 and they broke the, broke the meet record with a time of 38.5 seconds which is the fourth fastest time recorded in the country this season. So they are nationally acclaimed right now. They are one to look out for once we get to the national meets. And then the 4 by 400 team also had a good outing. They took home bras, bronze, not bras. David Site, Kundai, again, Maguranyanga, Simbarashe, Maketa, and Ethan Brown finished third, taking home bronze with a time of three minutes and five seconds. So... Those were really the two big highlights. Uh, there was a couple big individual performances. We broke the team or the program record pole vault was broken. So just a couple of neat things here and there. But overall, it was nice that the Frogs took home some hardware. They're now in the top 25. So they got a little bit of momentum rolling into uh, the NCAA West Regional Meet, which is starting up this Wednesday, May 25th. So, yeah. Everything's just killing it right now. It seems like it, it's a good time to be a TCU sports fan. It's it's a very exciting time for TCU sports, and and there's there's never really a, a dull time on the sports calendar for the frogs. Uh, there's there's something happening, some team competing at the highest level nationally, and certainly within their conferences. Um, it's it's TCU is a great place. We love we love the frogs and and it's fun to to really keep up with with all this other stuff. I mean, I think everybody kind of knows generally what's going on in football and what's going on in basketball, but I think there's there's not always that level of attention on um, all of this other stuff that is also competing at the highest level and and excelling on the fields. So uh, it's it's really fun to dig into that and and hopefully. All of you listening and watching are can jump in as well and, and join us as we, we follow these teams. Yeah, I think the TCU soccer team, although they don't play in the spring, it is a prime example of just kind of like 
you know, they, of course, there's always been a little bit of attention on it. They are our only soccer team. And, but, you know, Eric Bell got here, really built a culture, really built up that program to tournament regulars, making runs the past few years, like having all Americans on the team, like, and now it's to the to the point where TCU soccer has a big following. Like there are Garvey Rosenthal drinking clubs type thing, you know, <laughs> like it is, it's a thing. So it's kind of like, you can almost see that starting now with some of these other programs. Like it's really to the point where it's like, wow, like, and it, it is a little bit, I don't want to say sad, but a little bit, I don't know what the word is, but that it takes that, you know, success to really get that attention. But it's also a good thing at the same time, you know, like they deserve the attention and they've also earned it. So it's like, it's no good question. to see it. Yeah, yeah, it's good to see it. But all right, we're going to wrap up the episode with a little, little fun here. Um, no more news, sports news per se, but a few weeks back, we tweeted an article and posted an article on the website, Frogs of War. Uh, asking it was asked the fans we had a bunch of random questions ranging from you know will tcu baseball win the conference this year to some random silly ones like who's faster eddie lampkin going to chicken express or elijah nunez stealing so a little bit of mix and match with a lot of these questions some of them will be outdated but we're gonna go through and just get a little bit of our reactions to them and see if we agreed on our answers per se even so i believe too i can I can pull this up on the video version. So for oh, those, nice. yeah, for those listening to the audio version, we'll do our best to keep the explanations going. But um, YouTube, you will be able to see exactly what we're looking at at this. So, all right, what do we got here? All right, so this one, we'll start it off with a fun one. Can you see that very well, Anthony? Yeah, yeah, I've got it. Bit. All right, cool. So. Who would win in a thumb war versus the TCU head coaches? We got Jamie Dixon and Kirk Sarlous. Yeah, this was this was a fun one. And I understand why Sarlos would win. I mean, he's a professional baseball player, you, uh, you know, pitcher. You've got the grip. Yeah. But I voted for Dixon. I don't oh. I haven't I haven't shook both of their hands, so I'm not totally sure. But he's a he's a tall man. He's he's a big guy. And, you know, I just kind of think he it, it might be more of a, you know, in a thumb war, you need the length situation just as much as your grip strength. So your ability to, like, reach that thumb over there and pin him down, <laughs> yeah. uh, I was giving it to Dixon. I understand why Sarlous gets the nod here, though. See, now you're making me think because <laughs> I, I went with Sarlous because of that. Like, I was like, oh, he's the MLB pitcher. You know, he's got the grip, his thumbs, his fingers have got to be ridiculously strong. But, yeah, I mean, you're right. And it's – Dixon doesn't have a soft handshake by any means. I, I can't claim anything on Sarlis, but Dixon, he gets in there. It's a firm <laughs> handshake. So you're right, though. He also has much longer fingers than Sarlis. So I'm, why am I debating this? So like, it's, it's a tough call. Now. It's a tough call. I, you know, I, that is. He, it, I'm saying the score should have been closer here. I don't. I don't know that this is a. He should have I mean, ran away with it. I understand, but you know, think. If you think it through. <laughs> yeah, I kind of see where you're coming from with it for sure. Yeah, I could see a case now for both. But for those listening, it finished with Kirk Sarlous as a 62% favorite in that uh, that poll. So we'll go on to the next one. This is basketball themed, a little bit more serious. With the news of Chuck O'Bannon and now Mike Miles both returning to Fort Worth next fall, where do you see the Frogs sealing this se next season? And I absolutely love the fact that the Horn Frog faithful, faithful, zero percent of you guys answered missed the postseason. Love to see that. So there's a lot of faith right now, and only zero point eight percent 
said the NIT, which I mean, those are just a hater, probably. Not even a not even a Horn Frog <laughs> fan, probably, but whatever. What did you answer? Yeah, I, I'm surprised that Kirk Creasa got on here and voted on our uh, on our. Oh poll my god, the, dude! I'm sorry. No, I, we won't even get started there. Had uh, to be the Arizona fan, bro. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, you know, and and since this poll went up, uh, Damien Ball has more formally announced that he's going to stay uh, professional, or has been reported as such. And Fairbello has transferred to Creighton. Yeah, who, yeah, who is, I guess, now like a top five team going into next season. I, I don't really? think that's Farabello driven. I think that's that's yeah. other transfer driven. But uh, there's seems to be a lot of momentum for uh, for the Blue Jays. But hey, good for him. <clears throat> yeah, I think I think Sweet Sixteen or better is needs to be the expectation for this team. In in particular, with Miles back, I mean, that's. That's and and Lamb came back. I don't think we note it here. I, you know, I think there was has been some concern, like, hey, Lamb could just he could jump somewhere. I think like probably anywhere he wants, really. Anywhere, yeah. anywhere he wants. And so to to continue, or at least at this point, it's quiet. There is is a good sign, and and we're we're really excited to have this squad back. I think that's that has to be the minimum target is is getting to the Sweet Sixteen, which is crazy to say about TCU basketball. Um, but you know, likely we'll enter the, the next season hovering around the top 25. Um, and, and, you know, we'll likely with a few wins and with some other losses from others, jump into the top 25 early in the season. Um, that has, that has to be the expectation that you win a couple games in the tournament at that point. Yeah, we definitely got a little bit of respect from the country in that sense that you're right. I would not be surprised if we did jump into the top 25, especially because keeping Miles just changes a lot. Like this would be a whole different discussion if Miles was going pro right now. But yeah, I love it is weird, but I love the fact that that's what we're saying about TCU basketball, that the minimum should be at least a tournament appearance, win a game because it should be. I mean, like this is a good team. And although a couple things have changed, it's still a really good team. They should definitely be able to get – and, I mean, we're talking ceiling here. Like, keyword is ceiling, you know, not necessarily yeah. expectation. Yeah. And I know for sure that the team next year is going to be capable of that. So. No doubt. All right. Let's move on to the next one. Uh, same thing, TCU basketball. Well, we won't spend too much time on this one. I'm just kind of curious what you thought on it. Uh, what is the one thing TCU basketball team needed to add for next season? And the most dominant answer was pure shooter with 60% of the votes. Yeah, I think it's a mix of that and the 3 and D. I think I voted 3 and D on this one. But, you know, definitely the three-point shooting was not always there and, and could be the kryptonite at times, along with free-throw shooting. Uh, through the last season for the Frogs where really cold streaks or just bad timed three-point shooting um, was a problem. And really the the d defense part of it, you always need strong defenders. So if, if there was somebody who, who could come in and be a, a sharpshooter and a shutdown defender, that would jump the Frogs to another level. So that's, that's where I was looking on my vote. But definitely the shooting all around is... Uh, something we'd like to see improved. Yeah, I, I also answered three and D um, just because I like exactly like you said. I mean, a sharpshooter is needed, but if you can also add that two way on defense, that would be amazing because it's hard to say that like Farabello was like a lights out shooter, but he he was a good shooter. He had the best three point percentage on the team last year. He just 
didn't shoot the ball very much. So it would be nice to really get like that one guy where teams are just smothering him anytime he's on the three point line. Cause you know, if he pulls it, it's dangerous. So like, and then it really opens things up for those guys down low to, exactly. to, to dump it off or give a pump fake and, and get a drive. So yeah, it's, it's an element that right now I don't know that the frogs have. Yeah. Especially cause Chuck O'Bannon is, a, is, he's a great shooter. I'm not trying to discount that by any means, but if you pair like, a true like 42% three point shooter who like only shoots threes with O'Bannon. Oh, that opens up so much, like so much for the big man, even for miles to drive. Yeah. There's a lot of possibilities with that, but all right. We're also planning on two for uh basketball. Oh, this one's a baseball question. Wow. Actually I'll pause hey. real quick. All right. 55% of fans said that we will be in the running, but not win the big 12 championship for baseball this year. All right. I think I actually answered that too. So yeah, yeah. I mean, I I probably have to admit that I I didn't I didn't see it coming this way. I think uh, we had some very difficult series ahead at the time that this was coming out, and to to then kind of get that tech sweep and the OK State win. Yeah, I mean, clutch I don't think time. we expected that. Yeah, clutch time. Yeah, this was also you know, from April twentieth, so a little bit back. Um, and another baseball question. With a trip to the College World Series, we kind of already talked about this. We hit this one a bit, yeah. Yeah, so we'll go ahead and move on. We can keep it. Yeah. So, for those listening, Riley Cornelio was the most voted for who would be game one starting pitcher in the College World Series. So, right now, Cornelio seems to be a fan favorite for the Frogs' ace. All right, here's another fun one. So, this is who is the fastest? And we got four options Eddie Lampkin on his way to Chicken Express for the Eddie and one meal. Quentin Johnson on a go route, Elijah Nunez stealing second, or Max Duggan rushing literally any rush play against Texas. Pretty solid options. I'm curious what you put. Yeah, you know, I I think I voted Duggan just for the fun of it's <laughs> watching the the gazelle in the field uh, with with the hapless lions attempting to catch him uh in in orange uh yeah is is probably the most fun of these that i enjoy watching run so that's <laughs> that's that's how i voted um just because nobody's catching him he's out there and and yeah i think this is one where on because we posted the the polls on the blog and on twitter as well mm-hmm. so the votes came out a little bit different i think the blog has some dug in stands uh, there's, there's a lot of Duggan support out there. We'll get to that probably coming up here in a little bit on one of these questions, but, um, yeah, that's, that's how I voted. Yeah. Max did, uh, take, he did take the blog poll with uh, 38% of the 262 votes and actually Quentin Johnson got second on the blog poll. So the Twitter fans were the ones that really liked Elijah Nunez. Cause I agree. I voted Duggan because it's both like, it's true and fun, you know? <laughs> I would have wanted to say Eddie Lampkin on his way to Chicken Express, but we all know Eddie Lampkin's not beating Duggan in a foot race. Like that's not happening. So uh, let's set it up. Let's go. Let's hit the field. <laughs> let's let's check it out. Get, Honestly, that's what the people forty yard need, dash. Man. Let's find yeah. out. You know what? Next podcast, screw it. We're just We're, live streaming a Duggan Lampkin race. Hey. Like it's gonna happen. I bet they would be down for it. Honestly, let's go. We can make it happen. All right, switching gears now to football. What position group are you most excited to see under Sonny Dykes this fall? And the options are skill positions, so wide receivers and running backs. Then we got O-line, D-line and linebackers, so the front seven, and then secondary. 
Yeah, you got to go with the skill position for a Sonny Dykes team. I think that's where most people are thinking here, and it, that's why it, it got the 71% of the votes. That's how I voted. I mean, that's that's what you are excited to see. I think what's important to see, uh, you know, outside of the quarterback play is really going to be this this O-line play that is starting to build through transfers and, and uh, the guys still on the squad. So I think that's probably the most important of these. But what's exciting to see, uh, uh, Sonny Dykes, wide receivers, running backs, tight ends, uh, let's see let's see how the fireworks can can get. Let's see if we can run out of fireworks again. Oh, yeah, I would love that. But, no, I, I totally agree. Skill positions definitely take the cake for me on this one just because, like you said, I want to see this sunny offense. I want to see it implemented. I, if there was an all-of-the-above option, that's what I would have picked because I'm just curious, so curious to see how everything works out. But I have a lot of faith, you know? I've got a lot of faith, as I do every season, and a lot of times that lets me down. But it's that's okay. It's you know life of a dedicated fan. <laughs> all right, and then next up, this one is interesting. <clears throat> If you had your pick, you pretend you're Sonny Dykes for a moment. Who are you putting under center next season? Max Duggan, Chandler Morris, Sam Jackson, or one of the other guys? Yeah, I think we could dedicate a whole podcast to this question. So <laughs> yeah. I don't know how much we need to dig into this right now in May. Um, I, yeah. We'll talk about it more when we we'll, get into We'll like talk the about it more. Yeah. I guess I'm kind of curious what people were thinking when they said other. Who is the other? I mean, you know, the the transfer portal is is an abyss right now for quarterbacks. I don't know, you know, even pretty quickly that the guys who you would have thought could even compete with Duggan and Morris were were wiped off the board yeah. pretty much immediately. So I don't know what other means unless you're just like throwing up your hands and say it all it's all bad. Maybe yeah. that's what four percent of people are thinking here. But um yeah, I I don't know. It's it's definitely a, a huge question that we will talk about amongst frog fans every day until fall. Yeah. Well, so who who does you vote? Oh, I voted Duggan. Okay, fair enough. I'm yeah, a that's... I'm a Duggan guy. Stand. I mean, it's so hard. Like Again, okay, I need to save it for like next time. Yeah, I was about to say, it's so hard to bench a guy after he's been there for three years. Like, But again, that'll just open a whole can of worms. So, Ugh. yeah, I think those 4% of people that said other, I don't know, maybe they're thinking like Alexander Honig, you know, the big German guy. <laughs> yeah. He's tied in now, so I don't know what they were thinking. But it also interesting to see 9 or almost 10% of people put Sam Jackson. Yeah. All right, and then next up. Will the Horn Frog football team make at least a bowl game this upcoming season? 86% of Twitter voters said yes, while 14% said no. I personally voted yes because I I don't know, I just don't see us going five and seven again. I know it's Sonny Dyke's first year, I know it's a whole new regime, but we can win six games. I, I think we can win six games. I think we can win six games. I think we can win more than six games, but you know that's the bar. I think. Right? I, I think again, this is one that we could we could go through the schedule and we could go win by win and see see how it shakes out. I think uh, I think six wins is is uh, within the likely. Anthony? Did I lose you? Oh, oh there we go. I'm we're back. back. Yeah, we're back. Sorry. All right, cool. But no, yeah, I totally agree. I think six should be kind of like that, but like almost 
like the basketball discussion. I think that should be this, not the ceiling, but the expectation. And then the ceiling could be like nine to 10 wins, you know, like, or again, we'll, we'll get into that next time. That's a good idea though. I think we should on one of the future episodes, go through the schedule game by game, talk about how we see it shaking out all that. That'd be fun. All right. So I, I guess this one follows it up. How many wins do you see TCU football finishing with? Yeah, I definitely voted six or seven on this one. I, I think there's there's an opportunity that this this gets bigger and maybe maybe Dykes comes in and really just just changes a lot of things and and certainly you would expect that. That's that's why he's here. Uh that's why a change was made. Um I think it's a lot harder to do that in Big 12 football than it is maybe in any of the other sports where, where we would see this. So I, I don't, I don't know that we're, we're talking about a, a run to the big 12 title game or competing for the playoff this season. I think that would be extremely optimistic and I like to be optimistic. Um, but I think right now my optimism is let's make a bowl and let's, you know, beat the teams that we can yell at our neighbors about. I was going to say that we really want to be like Baylor UT. Yeah. That'd that'd be a winning season. You know, if we make a bowl game, beat the, beat a couple of our rivals, which I mean, you know, and and I think there's, there's a, there's a portion of the fan base who will say you guys are, you're being downers or like, you know, that, that sucks. And maybe, but (laughs) maybe you're, 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 you're probably right. You're probably right. And, and you know, I don't, I don't know that I've, looked forward enough to to the football season to to be able to say exactly how many wins and how great it's going to go it's just kind of a it's a vibe check right now and i'm feeling i'm feeling a six or seven win vibe yeah i i was a little bit more optimistic and i put the eight to nine but like for me that was like my peak optimism like i i could not legitimately answer 10 plus wins you know because you can't really expect that next year so i think like you said just get the bowl game start building the program up with dykes you know we already got this this i mean the program's built up but now we got to establish a new culture get that rolling and then i think we'll be a-okay for years to come because i really this is also a conversation for another day but i think that tcu and oklahoma state have the best chance of becoming the next two powerhouses of the big 12 if we play our cards right so all right, on to the next. Uh, we may have to end up skipping a couple just because there is yeah. there's a lot of these. We um, we did, yeah. This one we t- this is about kind of winning championships in this season, and we talked about a lot of the non-rev sports kind of coming up just short. We've still got baseball still very much on on the schedule here. This was released after the rifle team won won its uh, national championship. We didn't really touch on that earlier, and apologies to the rifle team. Oh, obviously, the, the you know top program in the country. It's the bread and butter at this point. These, those ladies are incredible and, and they're the, the best in the country. And so, so huge props to them, but this was after that. So that that's not included in the one here. Um, so looking for, looking for some solo tennis, some baseball and, and some of these track things to, to come through to, to get us to one or to over zero. Yeah, yeah. Well, because if you count the rifle, we're already at one, but right. I think we're definitely more than capable of maybe getting one more. Like three plus is a little bit extreme <laughs> at this point. But yeah, I think we can get one, which was the most popular answer. So, all righty. Okay, so we'll touch on this uh, one yeah. real quick. 
this is another one we could spend a whole podcast talking through. I think the who who will win a college football playoff championship first? Any quote unquote new Big Twelve member or UT or OU as SEC members. Um, so, you know, any of the, the Cincinnati BYU plus the, the hateful eight that, that remain out of the big 12. Um, yeah, I, I, I also voted any new big 12 member. I think just just the path will, at some point, the path is going to be simpler because there will be some sort of automatic qualifier for an expanded playoff. And, you know, UT or OU are going to have to beat Alabama and LSU. And, you know, that's just going to be harder than beating, you know, the teams yeah. that are left in the big 12. That's, that's, that's a fact of it, at least as it stands today. And, you know, maybe, maybe UT and, and Oklahoma, they, they jump into the conference and take it over. I just, you know, let's not get ahead of ourselves, Anthony, you know, let's, I don't know about the, maybe OU, but I don't, I just don't see Texas. I, well, I mean, yeah, Texas is already, not doing anything in yeah. this conference. So good luck. <laughs> yeah, what, are, what do they expect? Yeah. Good luck. I also put any new big 12 member, which the majority did 74% of people voted that probably some UT fans got a hold of our Twitter, you know, and that was the other 25%. All right. Another fun one. Can't skip this one. Who would you rather fight a like singular Eddie Lampkin sized horn frog or a hundred horn frog sized Eddie Lampkins. So this is a, this is a tough one. This is a tough it one. I think, one. I think, you know, an, an Eddie Lampkins sized horn frog would have some serious spikes could spit a lot of blood <laughs> at you. This it's going to be stop on you. Honestly. It's going to be tough. You know, the, the majority here voted at, at 74% voted for the 100 horn frog sized Eddie's. Now actual horn frogs in the wild are really small tiny really small however um no matter I, I think it's it's been proven that no no matter how much taller someone is than eddie lampkin he's always going to tell matter. you you're too small too yeah, small don't matter to him you're too small you are too small so i don't know i don't i think 100 100 horn frog size eddie's that's a pretty scary proposition as well so i i think i'm just staying out of the fight I mean, yeah, if that's an option, I'm running away because my logic was, you know, one one Eddie-sized horn frog, you can maybe just – because I feel like as a horn frog that big, they're going to be slow. I don't know. like yeah, They're not I used can... to like wiggling like that fast, like at that size. So I feel like you might be able to get away from it, but also one one step and you're probably like, I don't know, like like he could literally just push you over like that, you know, if, if it's that big of a horn frog. Then you go to the 100 – Horn frog size eddies, and that could just be like I was trying to compare it to ants, but it'd be like a hundred right. times worse than that because they'd be bigger and actually like be strong, or like do it be able to do stuff. Like, I don't know. That's it's dangerous. I don't know what you're doing. Because if it's a hundred of them, chances are Eddie's just gonna stack on Eddie, and then Eddie <laughs> he's gonna reach up to you and he's gonna get you somehow. But all right, I'm I'm not very surprised though that uh the majority went with the hundred horn frog size eddies, just because I feel like you might just think you could like shoo them off type thing, but I don't know. Can't underestimate it. All right. <clears throat> this one's a little fun one. Which sport do you want TCU athletics to add to their department most? The choices are men's soccer, softball, hockey, and gymnastics. So personally, I think it's like 
for me, it's like a dead split between men's soccer and softball. I It's always blown my mind that we don't have a softball team, uh, especially now in the Big 12, especially when our baseball team is so good. Like, I feel like it's honestly like a missed opportunity not to have one. But, you know, I get it, all the financial aspects, Title IX, everything. But you add soccer, you can add softball, then Title IX is all good, you know? Yeah, I think I think the message here is um, to athletic director Donati, just add both of these to to our roster and and let's move on because these and and clearly the feedback here was was really strong for both men's soccer and softball and it was that way in the comments and there were a lot of people like wait you you are in Texas and in the Big Twelve and you don't have a softball team how's that yeah how's that possible yeah. um, <clears throat> so. I, I feel like this has to be on the radar and has to be on its way to, to being made happening. I, I, I don't know how we don't, how this doesn't happen. Um, but I, I think on the, on the blog, there were more options because yeah, <laughs> cause Twitter had, you know, four. Yeah. <clears throat> only four. So I don't remember what they all were, but I'm pretty sure I voted for something that wasn't one of these probably rugby or something else just kind of, probably too niche but it's just super fun and really great spectator sports um cool. rugby would be cool to watch rugby is rugby's pretty awesome and and you could have men's and women's rugby yeah um that was my vote yeah like yeah i definitely for the twitter poll i had to kind of go with the top four and they ended up being the top four choices in the blog post as well but yeah, yeah. Like, the blog po vote also included you know rugby lacrosse um but also because, like, you know, there is a gymnastics club, but not a gymnastics team. There is a hockey club. And the, the club hockey team is actually pretty established. Like, they're they're pretty legit. Like, they're pretty close to being an athletic organization on campus. But all in all, um, it does seem like the majority of Horn Frog fans chose softball and soccer. They think that those would be the two. So, all right, moving on. A little last uh, last fun one. I think this is single coverage, one-on-one. -on -one. Who wins in a bump and run drill with Josh Doxson and Jason Verrett? This is this is a Sophie's choice. There, I don't. Can't I go don't wrong. Know. Yeah. Oh my goodness. This is this is really hard. These are two of mine and probably a lot of people's favorite Horn Frog football players ever. Um, I voted Doxson. Because I saw Doxon do it to everyone that he faced, uh, there was he was unstoppable. So that was that was my vote, and you know, Jason Verrett was incredible as a Horn Frog. Has had a, a kind of both of these guys, I guess, have had tough pro careers with injuries and and situations. But yeah, uh, yeah I had I had to give it to Doxon. He's the man. Yeah, see, I think you're totally right. This is a coin flip. You can't go wrong with either choice. And honestly, I bet they could play one-on-one -on -one 100 times and maybe even split it 50-50. Like, you know, because I voted Jason Verrett just because I I also got to experience both. You know, I watched both play. Um, but I've always been a little bit of a Jason Verrett stan. He was, like, my absolute favorite player when he was a Horn Frog. Um, and so I just got to give it to him. I don't know. I just think he could just kind of – pull it out last sec like the last flash second before the ball gets there i feel like he might pull some trickery on dachshund but who knows because if, if the ball's up there chances are dachshund's just gonna go up and get he's it getting it yeah he's gonna go up and get it so 
that that is a fun one. Um, and the results were very split on Twitter: fifty three percent saying Doxton, forty seven saying Jason Barrett. So, all right, well, well, that's a conversation for another day. I think we should. Yeah, this is the last one. Um, a fun one to end it on. And before we ask the question, as Anthony said, um, I think I, I saw you say it on Twitter. I forget, but like the correct answer is none of these. You know that nobody could probably accomplish any of these athletic feats, but. If you could, if you think you could do any of these, which one is it? And it's tackle Kendra Miller, score one on one versus Michael Peavy, win a set of tennis versus Juan Carlos Aguilar, or save a Messiah Bright penalty kick. What I appreciated about this is everyone's uh, the the entire uh, fan base here's complete recognition that there's no way you're winning a set of tennis against a high level <laughs> tennis player. It's not possible. I probably should have said like return one serve or take one point off of because you're not you're not winning a set. Yeah, it's just not happening. As yeah. as anyone reading or watching or listening to this, that is never ever going to happen. Um the skill gap there is just <clears throat> even bigger than probably yeah, any it's, other sport. It's yeah. it's just it's not going to happen. The one-on-one versus PV, I think people can just envision themselves throwing up a shot like, like, oh, maybe he like eases off it. Like you check the ball in and you cross half court and just chuck one up and maybe you get lucky and it goes in. And that's, that's really the only way you're, you're making that happen. But I can see that in the realm of possibility. Um, again, saving a, a high level soccer players penalty kick. I, I, maybe people don't realize how ridiculously difficult this is i mean the the professionals out there probably save a very small percentage of penalty kicks right professional goalies like less than 10 percent very small and to be able to you a person who's not a professional goalie or or you know probably not a high level athlete right to (laughs) say that you could stop uh, a penalty kick i would say no way, no chance. Only and, chance I'm stopping it is if I just stay still and, yeah, and I hope it I hope game. it hits me in the face. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And like and and it doesn't also take me and the ball into the goal with it. Um <laughs> and then yeah, tackling Kendra Miller, I mean like good luck ever walking again. Yeah, I was and, gonna say that one's like, pretty self-explanatory. <laughs> You're just gonna break a few bones if you try and do that. Like no, because I, I think I also answered uh score one on one versus PV. Not that I think I can do it. But like you said, just because, you know, I grew up playing basketball. I feel like I could just maybe just huck it up, just shoot it, and one of them's bound to go in eventually. Right. But, yeah, you're right, though. Like, saving a side right PK, those – dude, that ball goes, like, 100 miles per hour plus. Like, that ball goes fast when they the, kick it. The 30% of people who answer that, I don't I, – I, I don't know what you're thinking. No yeah. way. It's not happening. And then, no, I, I probably wouldn't even be able to return a serve on Juan Carlos Aguilar. No so – and then tackle Kendra Miller, that would be my worst damn nightmare, dude. <laughs> like with Kendra Miller running full speed at me, no thank you. I'm I'm gonna pass on that. And I, I like this question because I think it's it's a nice reminder of like we like to talk about sports and we like to, you know, analyze this stuff and think about oh, people should have done this, should have done that. But like at the end of the day, we're we're these people are at operating at such a different level than normal humans and are so incredibly skilled and impressive at the things that they do that, uh, you know, you just kind of have to take a step back and just no pun intended. I'm sorry about that. No, take, take a step, step back. back. 
God, sorry. Um, but you have to you have to consider, like, all right, these these people are amazing, and and everything that they do, you couldn't even fathom accomplishing. Yeah, no, hundred percent. Well said. That literally every time I say take a step back, though, now I get like flashbacks. I, like, I just, no, like, please. <laughs> but alrighty, though. That is going to be about it for this uh, first rendition of the new Frogs of War podcast with Anthony and myself. Uh, We're going to be back again next week is the goal. We're going to try at least for the remainder of baseball season to get an episode out once a week. Um, Once the baseball season's over, things may slow down. We may move to once every other week uh, for some off-season hype, off-season buildup. We'll see. We'll see. We might even do some live questionnaires. Anthony was even talking before we recorded about doing like some like a 20 minute quick live recap or something on Twitter where we break down this news and then take questions from you guys, which I think could work out very well. So if you guys have anything you want to see from us or see from this podcast, please feel free, leave a comment, tweet at us. um, And we're open ears. Uh, So we're just trying to get the ball rolling. Bear with us as we get in the hang of things. This was Anthony and I's first podcast together. And I I, I had a lot of fun. I feel like it went pretty well. Yeah, this was, this was great. love chatting the frogs with you and, uh, Look forward to hearing from uh, from all the fans out there. So tell us tell us what we uh, got wrong and how, <laughs> what you know. Want to hear from you absolutely, and and looking forward to interacting and and talking more. Yeah. So alrighty, guys. We will have this uploaded on Monday. I think the plan is probably going to be uh, Monday upload, Sunday record uh, after the weekend action. So yeah, stay on the lookout for this episode next Monday for episode two and. You guys stayed till the end. Thank you for listening. We'll see you guys next week. Thanks a lot. Go Frogs. Yes, sir. Go Frogs.